This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Three years with Halston, he told me today. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy Halstiversary. Happy Halstiversary. That's really cool. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Halston. That's awesome. Three years. Thank you so much for all your hard work and dedication. You've been amazing and a huge asset to Bertcast, Open Tabs, Wife of the Party, us personally. It's been great, great, great to get to know you and to work with you. And I really appreciate all you do for us and your patience with our scheduling. That is worth your weight in gold, that you're patient, especially with Bert, because he's not easy to get nailed down to a time to do anything and everything constantly changes. So you are appreciated. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much. It's been like the best three years of my life. So I'm just so grateful for you guys and i'm just excited for the next chapter with the new podcast studio and it's just i can't wait to be out of quarantine and it's going to be so much fun and it's going to be we're going to have like such good times in this new place and i'm so excited i agree yes amazing three years so thank you very much i appreciate it onward and upward onward and upward okay so today on my podcast, I have Jocelyn and Kristen, and they're talking about their new um, parenting series called Resilience-Based Parenting. You can get information at mcdermottmethod.com. That's M-A-C-D-E-R-M-O-T-T method.com. And if you add a slash W-O-T-P to that, there's some special offers for my listeners and viewers. Um, This is a weekly parenting program. Every Tuesday, I get an email in my inbox that has an audio link to listen to um, 10 minute or eight, between eight and 10 minutes parenting lesson from Kristen that Kristen and Jocelyn have written. And they're so good. I'm on week eight and I have just been blown away at how much I've learned and how much it's inspired me to be a better parent, better wife, better friend, better friend to myself. It's been really amazing. So, and it's just 10 minutes. My lesson this morning was seven and a half minutes long. And then they'll send you um, an activity that you can do, I think on Thursday. And then on Sunday, they'll send you something else all in your inbox, all to be done at your pace. There's no assignment due. There's nobody watching to see if you do this portal. If you can't do it this week, you can do them both next week. And there's tons of resources at mcdermottmethod.com when you sign up for this parenting series. I just can't say enough about it. Um, I've used it every week. Every week I learn something new and every week I apply it. It's been great. So if you're interested, um, again, go to their website, the mcdermottmethod.com slash WOTP and check it out. I have pledged 
to uh, to um, give two scholarships to this program. There's a, a button on their uh, website where you can kind of sign up to receive a scholarship. I'm not sure how they determine who gets a scholarship. I'm totally out of that. I'm just have pledged to pay for two scholarships. So if that's something that you feel you'd like to apply for, please do so. Um, but we talk about a lot of other things. We talk about, of course, about parenting, but it's a fun conversation. And and it always is um, with these two ladies. So anyway, check it out. Uh, sign up if you're interested and know that I'm doing it also. It's just such a great thing. I just think it's such a great thing. So so anyway, thanks for coming back every week. Thanks for um, all the emails that I'm getting. Um, just thank you. I really appreciate everybody who is listening and watching. I really, really enjoy this podcast. It means a lot to me to have meaningful conversations in hopes that someone else gets something out of that meaningful conversation because it's amazing where lessons come from in life. They come from sometimes the most unexpected places. So maybe my little podcast can be an unexpected place for somebody and that would make me super happy. Cue the leaf blower. <laughs> uh, anyway, can you still hear me over the leaf blower? <laughs> well, thanks for coming again this week. I hope you enjoy this episode with Kristen and Jocelyn about resilience-based parenting. <laughs> podcast studio i stepped in dog shit oh i've done that <laughs> i'm sorry leanne you uh, killed it yeah. in the cabin you did such a fantastic job what a great Wait, have you already watched it i watched every episode i'm so tired yeah, how it just came out today did you no. stay up till midnight or something it came out at midnight and i'm so tired <laughs> <laughs> wait i'm i'm in it a lot what yeah i'm in it oh okay he calls you every episode and you guys have a FaceTime and he breaks yes. it down and you did such, it's so great. I loved it. Want to know some inside baseball? Of course. <laughs> um, that was done uh, because um, principal shooting had wrapped in February before COVID and they had planned on starting to piece that show together and then going back and doing some pickup shoots in March. COVID, no pickup shoots. I became uh, an integral part of the story because I was the only person they could film. So this black box would show up at my door with two iPads and instructions. And I would have to find the background, get Bert's wardrobe, do both our makeup, do both of our lighting, 
both of our set design, both of our camera angles, both of our sound. I'd have to set up the iPad to film and then have the director on a Zoom call watching what I was filming while I was acting. Oh, Jesus. So this was before you collapsed. This was part of what caused my collapse. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like it. It was extremely stressful. Um, Oh, wow. It was very, very um, stressful because I kept going, this is my house. I, I, I wasn't, this wasn't what we signed up for, but I'm such a team player. I'm not like, well, I'm not going to say, no, this entire project is shut down because you want me to be on these Zoom calls. Of course, I'm going to be that. Of course, I was happy to do it. Don't get me wrong. I was happy to do it. It just was a lot of work. It was a lot of like, let me look in the camera. Oh my God, my house looks like a disaster in this camera. So now I got to go clean the house and I got to get everything looking nice behind. Oh, and I got to look nice myself. Oh, and I got to make sure Bert looks nice also. Oh, and I have to, oh, and I have to, oh, 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 it was so crazy. It was crazy. But I'm glad it turned out good. I haven't seen the final edit. It turned out amazing. I mean, what a unique show. I've never seen anything like it, is what I kept thinking. And I, I'm just bursting with joy. I'm so proud of you guys. Aww. Oh, that's so sweet, Halston. I don't think there's ever been a show like this show. Um, I'm, I'm, a- I'm anxious to see what people think about it because um, it's trending it's now kind of already. Funky. Is it already? It's already trending on Netflix. Yeah. So and I hope you ladies are still friends with me after you watch it. How fun. I can't <laughs> wait. I know I can't wait either. I was just before you came on, I was saying like how interesting Bert is because he's so controversial on both sides and yet so accepted. Like he does just crazy shit where both sides are like, what the hell is he doing? And then he's also so loved. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's uh, it's, it's, uh, it's unique. It's raunchy. I can't wait. For sure. I like um, raunchy. But anyway, well, thank you, Halston. That was very sweet. And I, I haven't seen the final edits, so I didn't know how much I ended up in it. I just knew how much I shot. And I shot a lot. So, but you never know. You never know what ends up in the... Over the course of how many weeks? Gosh, I don't know. We shot on and off March, late March, April, May, and June. Oh, wow. Yeah, so this black box just kept showing up and I'd be like, oh, my God, it's the black box. <laughs> Not the black box. Oh, no. Yeah, it was crazy. But I guess I can put cinematographer, wardrobe, yeah. lighting, sound. On <laughs> right uh, um, yeah, it was crazy. But anyway, hi, hi ladies. Hi. Hi. Are you in your, uh, how far along are you in your remodel? That's a whole nother um, bag of crap. Um, The city, uh, because COVID shut a lot of city offices down, uh, getting our permits and getting our paperwork for our remodel was really, really, really awful. It took three months of diligent, uh, emailing, phone calling, um, uh, notarizing, just craziness to get our permits. We finally got them. So we've started the big house. The podcast studio house is almost finished. I keep thinking it's like a week away and then it's another week and then it's another week, but it's coming up to almost done. I mean, we just have to really paint and put on the doorknobs. That's kind of where we are there. So 
that part's looking really good. The house, they're starting the framing. So we're early in the remodel, but you know, I'm not one to just wait. So I already have all my bathroom vanities, all my faucets, all my fixtures. I don't have my light fixtures yet, but I have pretty much, they're not going to be waiting on me. Put it that way. (laughs) As soon as I need something, I pretty much have it or have it picked out one of the two. So, um, so you have a lot when it gets down to all the, like the cabinet knobs and everything. It's just, uh, it is a lot. It's like when you move, right? (laughs) I still have a punch list and I've been here for three months. (laughs) Exactly. Because it's, well, even when you're moving out of a place, you think, oh, I, all the big stuff's gone in the moving van. And then you're like, I have eight hours of just junk here and junk there. And then all it's just overwhelming. My recurring nightmare is about moving and packing and realizing like, holy shit, I have like six more rooms <gasps> and a vacation home. In my dreams, I like I'm living big that I haven't <laughs> even touched and my flight is leaving and I don't even have boxes. <laughs> That's my like once a week I have that dream. It's awful. Oh my God. What does that dream mean even? I mean, it's clearly about anxiety. It's totally, totally clearly about anxiety, but um. It's hilarious because if I was actually moving, I am so on top of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I am too usually. But but Bert, uh, let's see, we've moved one, two, three times since we've been married. He has been on the road all three times. Oh so my gosh. That sucker has never had to move us. I've moved our whole, the first time we moved, Georgia was 10 months old and we moved from a first floor small apartment to a fourth floor, really big loft. And I moved, I would put her in a grocery cart seat and then fill the grocery cart, push it to the elevator, push it to the new apartment, unload the grocery store cart. Oh and my right God. She was 10 months old. Wait, where'd you get the grocery cart? Did you steal it? Of course. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like how else would you get it? Well, I lived close to a Ralph's. So I just pushed one home. That is me. Uh, but it worked. I mean, I just kept putting Georgia in and out of the front seat of that grocery basket. Oh, <laughs> my God. So we couldn't afford movers either. So yeah. I really had to move everything I possibly could by myself. And then, then you call in your favors at the last minute for the couch and the bed and, you know, the stuff that you can't physically move. So I just load my kitchen like two cabinets at a time into that grocery cart and push it up. <laughs> stupid. (laughs) That was the problem with this move for us is because I had moved a bunch of times in LA and you can just do it in your car, you know, until the final day. But when you're moving across the country, like you said, you get to that last day and I'm like, how is there all this stuff here? And like, it doesn't fit in the dumpster and it doesn't fit in the truck. I mean, yeah. 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 And what am I supposed to do with it? And I'm so exhausted. Do I really have to keep moving forward? Can I just lay down? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. So let's talk about this resilience-based parenting. I'm so excited to talk about it. Oh, good. I can't wait to talk about it. So why don't you describe it? I know you kind of did in another podcast, but let's describe it again. Does that make sense? Well, we wanted to create a program where we could help parents do two things, really, like raise resilient kids and also, so three things, in the process, become more resilient themselves, but also improve their relationships with their kids. Mm-hmm. And without having to, you know, take a lot of time or read a lot of books, we were trying to make it something that just fits in your life. So we just drop these little 10 minute audio lessons and audio. So you don't have to stop what you're doing in your inbox. And then if you like that and you want more, a couple of days later, a worksheet comes, 
that you can do with your family, your whole family, your kids. And then if you want more, a couple of days later, another resource comes and it's just, that's it. So it's like one skill a week and it's just, just helping you have conversations, little conversations, not like big giant conversations you have to worry about, just little conversations that can teach skills, but also help you bond with your kids. Right. And I think I'm a little bit biased here, but I think that the skills that we're teaching that Kristen teaches are every skill is better than a year's worth of therapy for me. Like every single thing I have and a moment where I'm like, I do this well and build on these other skills. It's really changes the relationship and makes the relationship better in a pretty profound way. I agree. Um, so here's what I do. Uh, I, I signed up after we talked about it the last time and I get, uh, it's Tuesday today. We're recording on Tuesday. So I get my emails on Tuesdays. I make my cup of coffee. I feed my dogs their kibble. And I sit outside and listen to it by myself. I don't have a notebook. I don't take notes or anything like that. I just listen. Today, and to be honest with you, I don't listen to the last part, your disclaimer part. So really, really, I mean, I did the first time, but... I know what's coming after you go, and that's the lesson for today. And I go, click. So today, really, it only took me about seven and a half minutes because the last little nugget is your disclaimer. So, so um, I don't know if disclaimer is the right word, but you know what I mean. It's, it's yeah. a repeated mm-hmm. message at the end. Yeah. Um, seven and a half minutes. It was eight minutes. And I learned so much. I rewound over and over again to two minutes and 10 seconds and listened to that point over and over. There? Wait, what was that? There? I was going to write it down and then I thought I'd just play it. Is it okay if I play oh, it? Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, Halston, you'll have to let me know if it sounds okay. Um, please. Um, it may take me a second. I had, it, I had it queued up and then I went into your portal and unqueued it. Oh, um, so Do we have Halston? Because he doesn't seem to be in his normal spot. He is. Oh, he's, he's just, oh. he's, he's, he's listening. Oh. He's, he's godlike in his job. <laughs> <laughs> he's just always there. <laughs> now watch. Now he's in the bathroom. He's like, I'm in the bathroom. I'm not there. The one time she says that. Of um, course I'm here. <laughs> I told you. You don't need to look How at me. That That's all. <laughs> Okay, so this is what it looks like. I know I have a glare on my phone, right? I push play. Can I just play it? Is that okay if people hear what it sounds like? It's fine with us. Yeah. Hello. Welcome back to Resilience-Based Parenting. Can you hear it? I'm Kristen McDermott. She sounds so sexy. We'll be talking about one of the most important tools of resilience, which is inner wisdom, our eighth pillar of resilience-based parenting. We have all experienced that feeling of knowing something is wrong, but having no rational reason to feel that way. Think back to a time when warning bells went off in your head, but nothing was visibly amiss. Everything looked fine on paper, but a nagging feeling persisted in your gut that you just could not ignore. And if you did Okay, I'm going to skip forward to 210. Okay. <laughs> but every single time I listen, I have an aha. Every single one. I go, ah. And it's not always about parenting. Hold on one second. It's hard to get it exactly on 210. I had it all queued up. Okay, I'm at 211. Ready? 
is our only source of guidance that takes into account all of our unique personal strengths, values, needs, passions, and desires without the filter of limiting beliefs, faulty assumptions, and other people's agendas. Our minds, for instance, can convince us we want to be in a relationship that, in fact, doesn't feel very good to us. Our minds can rationalize the pursuit of a career that we do not actually have any passion for. Our minds can cause us to second-guess ourselves, overthink our choices, and feel insecure about our decisions. While intellect is certainly important, our bodies possess something even more powerful than rational thought. It's the reason we get that uneasy feeling, and it's the reason we are inspired sometimes to just take a leap of faith. Inner wisdom. Um, what I cut out was the beginning of that says inner wisdom is all of these things. It is. It is a representation of your true self, really, it, with no damage, no filter, no outside influence, no um, negative thoughts, no none of those things that get in our way. And I was like. It's so funny. I was having a conversation with Georgia last night about inner wisdom. She wanted to do something uh, with some friends and I just had a bad feeling. And I went, I don't think this is right. I don't want you to do this. Um, and this is friends that are in a bubble. We're all COVIDed bubbled together. There was nothing like that going on. But she wanted to stay somewhere. And I said, no, I think you need to come home. And uh, when she got home, she sat on the couch and I went, listen, I can't really tell you completely why I have the no, but my gut is saying no. And I have to trust that. That's what I say to you all the time. If your gut is saying no, you need to stop and pay attention. Um, and, you know, maybe the no is not accurate, but most of the time, most of the time it is. And sometimes you may not know why the no is there. But this is one of those moments where I'm going to trust my inner instinct and say, no. And then I wake up this morning and that's exactly what your lesson is. It's exactly what I did last night. I was like, yes, I love I'm going that. to make her listen to this episode because she's really good at listening to her instinct. Hmm. She is really good at this. And she, when I explained it to her last night, she was like, I get it. Okay. I'm not happy about it, but I get it. But I'm going to have her listen to this today because I think every single pillar I've had, I've thought to myself, I haven't always followed through, but I've thought to myself, my family needs to listen to this together mm. because having teenagers and having experienced a child with anxiety um, and taking her to therapy and having a therapist say, this is the way you handle it. She hears it very differently than mom saying, this yes. is the way you handle it. So if an outside third party, not related to her or our situation or what's going on in our house says, inner wisdom is that voice <laughs> that comes up and you should listen to it. And that's not for me. I think she'll hear it very differently. So not only I think is this a tool for me as an individual to help my parent, to help me be a better wife, mother, friend, teacher, whatever. I think it's a tool for them too to just listen to and go. I mean, obviously my kids are older, so you probably wouldn't listen to this with your four-year-old. But for my teenagers, it, it's my back. I feel like it's backup. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, I started talking to my kids about inner wisdom 
when I first met Kristen and with, I don't remember how old my youngest was probably three at that time. And I mean, what I would just say is like, listen to your body. What is your body telling you? And then built on that so that now at eight, like we can have actual real conversations where it's like, okay, close your eyes. What does your inner wisdom say? And he can talk about it. Right. That's great. Yeah, that's great. I wish I'd had one. If there's anything like of all the skills and all the anything, it's this one to like help your kids trust their own gut. Right. Me, If they can do that, then they can figure out everything else. And this is this, this is like the pillar that I resisted the most. Really? When I first met Kristen, well, just like listen to it in her wisdom. Like, come on. She doesn't like anything that's like woo woo. You know, I don't at all. I'm like, oh, come on, give me the skill. Like, what's the skill? (laughs) I need something tangible. And now it's the one. And I mean, there are lots of tangible skills related to this and actual like concrete advice. But now it's the one where I'm like, God, if my parents had nurtured my inner wisdom, like how much pain would I have avoided in my life? Ain't that the truth? So jealous of people who just are immediately like, I trust my gut. I always do. Like, this doesn't feel right. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm so jealous of that. Cause for so many years, I was like, my gut saying this and my mind is saying this, and I'm going to go with my mind because intellect is king. And then, and now I'm like, Oh God, it's the people who trust their gut in relationships, who trust their gut in careers. Those are the people who are happy, successful, you know, really doing well, doing well and seem to have less stress. Right. You know, even saying no to Georgia from that perspective mm. gave me less stress. That's such a good point. Even though I went, I said to her in the conversation, I actually don't like saying no. I, I don't like that. Like, I want to be that mom that always says yes. The boundaries are necessary. And this is a particular boundary I can't really explain. I could just say, my gut is saying no. So it's a no. So I'm sorry. Um, funny because we had something come up last night, which Jocelyn and I, we've, we've probably talked about it on here too before, but just, um, I think one of the easiest ways to do this is, um, with food and like your kids eating. And actually last night with my 22, almost 23 year old son, and he was the first person I ever did that thing about food where like, you know, I think he was like nine and he was like, I want to eat like whatever it was, you know, something not healthy. And I was finally like, you know what? Like, I'm done. I've taught you whatever. You're going to have to like trust your gut. Like you're in charge of your eating for right now. You eat whatever you think is the right thing to do. And he was so mad about it. And literally last night he was, he's trying to um, like get ripped right now. And uh, he was like, that was really good. Should I have another helping? I was like, I don't know. Maybe you should trust your gut. <laughs> he remembered that thing when we were nine and was laughing so hard. He was like, darn it. I really wanted the extra serving. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, mom. I think because they do know, like they know, you know, and they'll choose for themselves. They'll choose for themselves. Yeah. And blame their parent for teaching them to choose for themselves, but they will choose themselves. But otherwise they just resist, right? Like if it's just telling them, then it's no fun. But if they're having to like, listen to their own self about what's really the right thing to do. That is the truth. If you tell them what to do, it's all resistance. Yeah. But if you say yeah, because you think. the need to push back when somebody is trying to force you to do something is stronger than 
like, you know, being, making a rational choice. So like that need to just protect yourself, which makes sense. And Mm -hmm. we all do it. I mean, I'm 52 years old. And if someone like randomly says something super controlling to me, I'm like, no, I mean, it cracks me up. I'm like, it's so funny that that's the first thing is to be like, don't tell me what to do. It's got to be some kind of survival skill. It's got to be some kind of base barbaric survival skill to mm-hmm. go like, don't boss me around. Don't tell me what to do. But especially for kids, right? Because they spend their whole lives having to defer to other people, you mm-hmm. know, like everyone, like that your friend's parents, like the substitute teacher, like the gym coach who you don't like, you know, yes. you have to not listen to your own self. You have to listen to these people who you don't even respect sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you want to give them some opportunities to like, listen to themselves. Yes. To have some autonomy and some, um, uh, some, uh, it builds self-esteem, positive self-esteem. It builds like yeah. an intrinsic value system in, within themselves to be able to make those types of decisions based on their own judgment. <laughs> and self-efficacy. We always say like, those are really the two things about resilience is your ch- children come out with self-esteem, like you said, but self-efficacy, which is like, I can make decisions and take action that get me what I want. And that's a place that's actually good for me. You know, I'm good at that. Yeah. Right. Yes. So I, this was pillar eight. There are 52. Is that right? Well, there are eight pillars. 10 pillars. 10 pillars. Okay. Yeah. Explain this. Yeah. Explain this. There are eight pillars. I mean, sorry, there are actually more than eight pillars. There are 10 pillars of resilience-based parenting. And so we just decided to like break it down like one little, like we said, one skill a week. And we decided to just do it over the course of the year just mm-hmm. because it's not very invasive, like we thought. I mean, that's long, but we have so much to say. And so we just thought, let's just like make it easy and you just know it's there. And so we go through the 10 pillars first and just let you know what they are. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we just cycle through the pillars. So you'll know, oh, this is the inner wisdom pillar. Oh, this is the emotional intelligence pillar. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's there are so many, you know, skills under each one. We could do this for years. For years. For years. <laughs> for years. Yeah. And they, it's interesting because... Some of them, you know, you can just pick and choose, but they really do build on each other. And I think, um, Leanne, you were talking about like having more confidence when you were saying no to Georgia. Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that happens is that you build your confidence around parenting and get like, there are things now, Kristen and I talk about this. There are things that I can do and say to my kids now that I wouldn't be able to do and say if I didn't have their trust. Mm -hmm. And so really like, getting in there and working hard at it. I mean, it's not even working hard, but working at it and building on these skills and having like some repetition and some, some longevity with it, I think really helps because I've known Kristen for five years and I still today am like, Oh, here's how I can do this better mm. and build the relationship more. You right. know? But isn't that true for life in general? Yeah, totally. Yeah. For, for if you are a a someone who is on a, a I don't want to say a vision quest, but like like a seeker. I always use the a word seeker. seeker. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. I am a seeker for sure. Yeah. Then you're always seeking, and you're yeah. always building and growing and expanding, and that's the point, really. I think for me, anyway, that's the point of life. Is why would you live life like like this? Yeah. Just stagnant or steady even. It should always be adjusting and changing. So if that's the case, then you should, or I I feel like I should always be searching for new tools, right? This isn't yeah. the only tool I have as a parent, your, your resilience-based parenting. It's not the only one. It's just the newest one. 
So I add it. And then, you know, later I'll find another one and add that and add that. But I'll tell you what this does for me is that I feel like I feel like I have um, a co-parent that's not my husband. Does that make sense? That's interesting. So when if I'm going to focus for 10 minutes a week, really, if I just do your um, audio lesson, if I, if I don't do your worksheet and I don't read your Sunday email, if I just commit to 10 minutes a week of listening to this and letting it really sink in, it stays with me. So when I have a parenting moment, it's there. So it's like I have a really healthy, balanced, kind of professional parent. <laughs> in my back pocket going, now this is, this is about nurturing self-efficacy. This is a moment where I can allow this to be what's happening, right? Like Isla, uh, her transition to high school has been really challenging and she so very much wants to do all of her schoolwork by herself. I am on board with that a hundred percent. She's dyslexic. French Socks. Oh, geez. Yeah. Learning English is one thing, but learning French is a completely different ball game. She really does not want me to help her. Now, I don't really speak French, but I did take French in high school and college. So I can kind of, especially French one, muddle my way through getting her up and running, I was hoping. But I am trying very hard to just let her run the show entirely. She currently has a 52 in French, which I am obviously quite concerned with. Is she like, she must be concerned. She's not happy. She, but she also is not open to getting a tutor like on zoom. She's not open to going to tutoring with her teacher. She's not open to anything other than the way that she's running it. That's failing. Mm. So I'm trying to figure out how I maintain her feelings of this self-efficacy and still help her. Does that make sense? And if you ask her, what does she say? If you ask her that very question, how do I maintain these, your feelings of self-efficacy and help you? What would she say? Um, I don't know what she would say. I have, I have asked her to let me know what I can do to help her. Um, And I don't have to be the person helping her. Um, tutor, teacher, another high schooler that has French, a college student that has for something, anything. And she just says, she just wants to be out of the class. (laughs) But she can't be right. Like that's not an option. No, it's not an option. Well, it is sort of an option in her IEP. She's allowed to take um, American sign language as her language. Mm -hmm. And I offered her that option before school started. And she really wanted to be just a regular high school ninth grader and wanted to take French with everybody else. And I said, let's give it a shot. And um, if it's not working out, we can go to the counselor and say, Hey, I can pull the IEP card Mm -hmm. in her IEP. It says she can have ASL. How do we transition her out of French? And I think we may be at that place, but I'm not going to do it until she tells me that's what I want to do. Because I mean, in my house, I don't really care about grade point average, and that may be really naive and stupid, especially in high school, but I don't really care that that failing grade will bring her grade point average down because that she has no interest in going to UCLA. That kid's not interested in that. She will do something else with her life, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. So 
I don't know. It's it's hard sometimes to. Sometimes it's, I, fi- I find it hard to figure out when to go. You know what? And now I'm going to take over. You know. I mean, I think you hit on the exact conversation that I would want to have, which is the sort of connect the dots conversation. It's like, help you know, help me understand what you you're not supposed to know what you want to do with your life when you're in ninth grade. Like I get that, but like right. you know, like where does a failing grade in French? fit in for you? Like, what does it mean for you? Because if you're going to go be a something, it, it really may not actually matter. If you're, if you want to like have the opportunity to maybe do something else, then like, we need to like find some resources here to help you for it. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. I don't know, try to get her to have that, like, help me understand what you think this means so that you can, maybe there's some information that she just doesn't have. Like sometimes they're not thinking, you know, they're not connecting the dots. Right. Like, and like you said, you know, it doesn't, you don't really care about GPA either, but you have a lot of reasons for feeling that way that she may, she may just pick up on that. You don't think it's that important, but she might not understand why. Mm-hmm. That's you know a good what point. I mean? Yeah. So it's like just getting her to share what she, why she thinks it matters or doesn't matter. And then you just having a convert, like a curiosity conversation, not an agenda right. conversation. Right, right curiosity conversation that's a really good way of putting that a curiosity conversation well that's pillar nine and you're not there yet oh geez (laughs) so back to your portal okay here's another thing i like about this portal right um so we've had eight pillars empower the conversation is number one nurture your home culture number two build self-efficacy number three cultivate self-esteem number four Speak the language of needs, number five. Choose empowering beliefs, number six. Build emotional intelligence, number seven. Inner wisdom is number eight. So speak the language of needs. I listened to that and went, I'm not listening to that. Why? (laughs) You've got to tell us. Because I am terrible at taking care of my needs. Yeah. So I... Totally brushed over that. And you know what's really funny is my brain keeps going, you need to go back and listen to that pillar, Leanne. That's the that's one. That's not your brain. That's your yeah. inner wisdom. Exactly. That is, that is my inner wisdom. Exactly. Touche. <laughs> um, but what's great about this portal is that I can go back mm-hmm. and listen to the, speak the language of needs when I'm ready to hear it. And also I thought to myself when I was writing all those down, I thought, you know what? There's some times when I may need one of these, when when I don't need it right now, Mm -hmm. but something happens and I go, hold on. This is a moment when I should be working on my home culture. Let me listen Mm -hmm. to that pillar uh, before I start working on this and give myself a shortcut. I thought that was really great that they're accessible anytime. Once you sign up for this program, it's accessible anytime. And I also appreciate that I can share this with Bert. Like he's my husband. I'm not going to share it with anybody else because that's ethically wrong to me to just email all my friends, my portal. Like that's ethically wrong. I would never do that. But I do share it with Bert. Bert doesn't listen because he doesn't like to be told what to do. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm trying. He's home from. December to January. So I'm thinking about starting over at number one with him in like a weekly, um, almost like therapy session. Because really, this I know I'm jumping all over the place, but really, when I first started listening, the biggest thing I got from these pillars was that this applies to everything. 
It does yeah. not just apply to parenting. It applies to how I treat myself, how I am in a marriage, how my partner is with me in a marriage, what is off balance. You know, so as I was listening to some of these pillars in the beginning, I thought, this is off balance in our house. And this has nothing to do necessarily with my kids. This has to do with me and Bert. So yeah. I need to have a conversation with him about this. If I can't get him to listen to this pillar, I can at least now have a conversation because this, this is not working for me and him. Um, and that's one of the things I really like about this program is that it's focused on parenting, but it's really not. Like it really can be applied to any relationship, yeah. including yeah, your relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's great. And it's like having therapy. Like you said, it's like a year of therapy a week. I don't know about a year, but it's very intensive and concentrated and concise and quick. You know, nobody has a lot of time, but in 10 minutes, there's so much pertinent information. It's important. All of it is good and deep and it, and it, um, it elicits a reaction from me. Uh, every episode, there's something in every single uh, one where I go, yeah, that applies to me or that applies to my relationship or that applies to this daughter or that daughter or this in-law or my dad, all of them. Well, That's the thing about the thing. needs, I think it's funny that Jocelyn said that the pillar she didn't like the most was inner wisdom because it was actually neat. you got to fess oh, up. I mean, uh, that, it's interesting that Leanne is saying this because Leanne... <laughs> You and I are enough similar that I know what you're resisting. I know why you're resisting it. And I totally get it. And so it then has tell me, tell been, me why. Because <laughs> it's about boundaries. Needs and boundaries go hand in hand, right? Mm. You, I'm going to, I'm going to take a gander here, are pretty lousy at boundaries in some ways. Probably not with like people who are pissing you off, but in terms mm. of you giving things. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And so I think you're resisting it because you, you're going to have to take a really hard look at how you set boundaries and that can be really uncomfortable. Ah, really, really uncomfortable to go. I'm going to tell the people in my life that I don't accept that anymore. You are absolutely right. Something's happening today. That is a boundary issue that I want to set and can't do it. Something's happening today and I'm angry that I have to do this really angry. And I can't bring myself to say, you know what? I'm not going to do this Mm -hmm. because it would be letting someone down. Mm -hmm. And I really don't want to do it. It really, I'm trying since I fell, I've been trying really hard to take better care of myself just in the basic needs, food, water, sleep, right? Like those three basic things. And the things being asked of me is going to take away my sleep. And it's going to take away a lot of sleep. And it's for Bert. And I, I, don't, I don't want to do it. Yeah. And, and you also equally don't want to say no. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I don't want to say more clearly more than I don't want to do it because I'm not saying no. <laughs> so right. the not wanting to say no. And I have so many places like that in life where I'm not taking care of my basic needs for someone else's basic need. Well, the problem is that like it gets into this conversation of selfishness, right? Like something about the way most of us were raised is that it feels selfish 
right. to put our needs in front of someone else's. Yes, it does. It just mm-hmm. does. And mm-hmm. and by the way, that's corroborated by the person who is going to say, you're being selfish. It's hard. You know, like that's why it's funny because on one hand, needs is a should be a basic conversation, I think, but it's actually, I found with all my work and all my research with people with cancer and their families, like this was the hardest conversation. People are like, really? I don't understand what you're saying. Like, what do you mean needs? Like, I don't even know how to begin to think of like what needs are appropriate because a lot of people are just givers. And so they haven't even articulated what or even decided what they deserve. Right. for their own selves and, and, mm-hmm. and it feels selfish. And so they won't even go there. So, I mean, it's super common what you're saying. And so the, the flip that has to happen is, you know, that idea, you know, you fell down, like you collapsed. And yes, it's like, it did. the thing is, is that, you know, you, if you ultimately, if you don't get your own needs met on a certain level, you have nothing left to give to others. And you know that intellectually, but it's got, it, the switch that has to be flipped is just that, you know, if I put my needs in front of yours, it doesn't mean I'm selfish. It means I take what good care of myself. That is know? so hard to learn. It is. I think that's really hard to learn. It is. Um, I did something a couple of weeks ago. I told Kristen this story. I'm, and God, I hope this woman isn't one of your viewers, but I <laughs> am on Facebook. I'm a member of a buy nothing group where you just, if you don't want something, you post it and say, I don't want this. Who wants it? And then somebody comes and gets it. Mm-hmm. And a woman um, I had posted that I, and you can also post what you need. And I needed some paint rollers. And this woman who lives two blocks from me was like, I have paint rollers. I can walk them over to you right now. I'm like, fantastic. Is there anything you need? And she was like, honestly, I just need somebody to talk to. Can we sit outside and talk? And I was like, I have no goddamn time for that. Like, I don't have time for that. She's and it's a, a stranger, stranger, by the way. It's yeah. a stranger, by the way. And she was there for two hours. <gasps> Leanne, I let her stay for two hours and I have no extra time because it was too hard for me to set that boundary with a stranger. Yeah. Yeah. A stranger, you know? Yeah. I, I can relate. And then I, like, I trick myself into going, well, I'm doing something really nice for somebody who like really needs it. And that is true. She yeah. really needed it. She was very lonely. She was in quarantine. She needed it. Right. But I was sacrificing a lot of things. Right. To do that. And and like, it just felt icky, but it also feels icky to set the boundary because I'm not good at it. So yeah. I get it, man. It sucks, doesn't it? I mean, I'm getting better at it, you know, because of Kristen. I think I'm getting a little better than I used to be, but I'm not good at it for sure. No, well, that's not, not true. I'm good at it. I'm good at it in certain areas. Like you said, if someone's pissing me off, I'm happy to say, back off. Yep. Don't talk to me like that. That's not how mm-hmm. we work. I'm good with that. And I'm pretty good with my friends. It's really, it's really Bert. It's really Bert and my kids. Yeah. And the problem is you're changing, you know, if like with Bert, for example, you're now changing the relationship because you've been for however many years you guys have been together, you've been, it's not really fair for him to think you're going to be any other way. Right. Because exactly. You, yeah. And so, I mean, it's, doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do, but I mean, it's hard because yeah. you can blame him, but like, you can't really, cause you've, like I always say, you've been a volunteer, not a victim, right? Like you've volunteered for that, but it is really hard in relationships, which is why I always think it's, I always think like having a piece of paper and like making it a two-way conversation. I thought that sounds like kind of dorky and formal, but like making it a conversation about like, 
all the needs that are really important to both of you. And like in a helpful way, it's like looking at them all next to each other. It's like, these are all the ones of mine that aren't getting met. And I can't quite figure out how to balance them with all the ones I'm doing for you and the kids and whatever, you know, can you help me? Like let's right. can work together somehow to, because when you see them on a piece of paper and your unmet need list is 30 long and right. no one else is 30 long, it's kind of right. hard to deny. Yeah, it's very true. Very true. Yeah, I didn't do that worksheet. <laughs> I avoided the whole week. I was like, too busy. I don't have time. Does it say needs in the title? No. But like, the assumption is your family loves you. Like your family doesn't want you to collapse anymore. Your family wants to help you get your needs met. They do, but they're not going to suddenly, like we just had this conversation in my house where my husband was complaining that people don't just voluntarily take the garbage out when they see that it's full. I'm like, dude, if you ask them to take the garbage out, they will. When you're gone and I say, hey, will you take the garbage out? They do. But since he does it every time, they're not thinking about the garbage because it just magically gets taken out. It's mm -hmm. like that thing is like, if you don't say, hey guys, I need help and you're just keeping on doing everything, they're not going to like just decide, oh, hey, may maybe mom needs us to help her with some needs. I mean, they're just not. No, that's very true. Yesterday, so yesterday I had a ridiculously busy day because today is Tuesday, the 13th of October, and today is the premiere of The Cabin. So Bert and I wanted to give um, all the actors and all the key kind of director, um, writer, all the key players, a gift basket, which my friend Kathy, who's making gift baskets, I don't know if you watch my podcast ever, but uh, Kathy's been working on this kind of gift basket side hustle. So I hired her, but you know, that means that she and I are delivering these baskets all over from Malibu to Eagle Rock to, you know, and we're all over the place yesterday and today. So I come, <laughs> I told my kids yesterday, uh, I'm going to be gone all day. So you're on your own for lunch. This, this, and this, and this is in the fridge, help yourself, whatever. I'll be back at like three o'clock. I come back at three o'clock and all the supplies they use to make their own lunch is on the counter. So I take a picture of it. They're in their rooms. I take a picture of it and text both my children and go, in what world do you think it's okay that I come home and clean this up? And George's response was, that's Isla's mess. It was not. It was her. <laughs> it was like... She made herself, not to, not to out my kids on their horrific diet yesterday, but she made herself a chicken pot pie. And I don't even know how this chicken pot pie showed up in my freezer because I don't really buy chicken pot pies, but somehow she got a chicken pot pie. She probably walked to Gelson's and got it. And Isla had like a ramen noodle. These two items are not related <laughs> no. in any way, shape or form. But what does she do? She doesn't say, oh, yeah, sorry, mom. Let me come clean that up. <laughs> she blames her sister and her sister is total radio silence, never addresses it. And neither one of them come to clean it up. And I'm like, seriously, come clean this up. I'll be right in there. I'm like, really? Come on. I shouldn't have to ask my 14 and 16 year old repeatedly in the beginning with a great deal of humor to come and clean up their own mess when I've already explained to them I have a really busy day. And they're, yesterday they didn't even have school. It was Indigenous Peoples Day or Columbus Day. They had no school. So they were sitting in their room doing 
whatever. So at a certain point, I think I go, I'm just going to take care of all my needs myself. Why do I even ask? But it takes me so much effort to get them to come and do what they should do anyway. You got it out. You put it in the garbage. You're too old. And I've been saying this for so many years. And it builds so much resentment, though. Like you're not really taking care of all of your needs because one of your needs is to have your children be respectful. And so, uh, you know, there's a need to have the kitchen clean for sure. Mm -hmm. But there's also that need of like a cooperative household. So yes. when, you're, when you're taking care of your kids that way, you're also building resentment over here. Right, right, right. Yeah. So there, that tends to happen a lot in my house. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know what I've done wrong, so to speak, to allow this to keep happening. Or if it's that, um, this is kind of the culture of Bert. And I can't get Bert to change out of this culture. If Bert cooks lunch, that shit stays on the counter and I'll ask him eight times to put it up and he'll, yeah, yeah, I'll be right back. I'll do it. I'll be right back. Yeah. I just got to, I got to send this one post right in, on Instagram. You know, work comes before putting the stuff back in the fridge. I got to, I've got to do this for work first. Yeah. I understand. I made lunch for you. You put it back. Every excuse in the book and he won't do it. And they see that. But your kids need you. Like you have leverage with your kids. Like there are a lot of things that you do for them out of kindness. I'm mean, like, we always say like there are certain things that your children are entitled to. You mm-hmm. know, food, shelter, love, not being abused, those things. But like mm-hmm. everything else is in the privilege category, mm-hmm. really. And like in the privilege category goes hand in hand with certain responsibilities. And I mean, again, like I always get this on a piece of paper. We talked about that whole rights, responsibilities, privileges here before, didn't we? I don't know. Right. I don't think we did. I don't think we did. I mean, it's like the most basic thing. I did it with my kids that, that you just, we like put it on our refrigerator and it was literally like, you have a conversation. These are the things that you as my children are entitled to. Like I just said. The rights. It's it's basically food, clothing, shelter, you know, the basic thing. Right. Everything else is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Everything from doing your laundry to your cell phone to going to a private school to your shit. Like literally everything else is a privilege. So getting and driven to soccer houses, having play dates, like all your club sport. I mean, everything is a privilege. And so with privileges in households and family systems come some responsibilities. Like one person, the mom, cannot do everything. Right. It's not possible. And so you literally get it on a piece of paper. And it's like, these are your responsibilities for these privileges. Like if Mm -hmm. you don't clean up after yourself, I'm going to say, gosh, you know what? That just took me, I'm going to clean it up because I don't like to look at the mess. So you're right. I am going to clean it up. But that just took 10 10 minutes of my time that I'm not going to have to drive you to the next time you ask me to do something. And I'm not being mean. I'm just, there's only so much time in my day and I've got to get my stuff done so you can see it now. Right. You know? And so it's not like, cause you don't want to be mean and punitive, but like mm-hmm. there also has to be some logical consequence and your right. time is valuable. Yes. If you're spending, you know, all your time picking up after them, then you're not getting to do the things that you need to do. So <laughs> that's how I look at it. That's a good way to look at it. Too much time spent cleaning up pot pie, right? (laughs) Tired of cleaning up pot pies. They're everywhere. Pot pies are everywhere. No, but yeah, that's a good way of looking at it to to break it down into those three categories and and put it on paper. And it's funny because that 
that came from like when my kids were young and um, we put that out on social media like a month or two ago. And like one of my friends who has kids, you know, my age, so your age kids too. I mean, mine are older, but one of my friends who has like a 22 year old and a 18 year old and a 16 year old was like, this sounded like it was something for young children. It was totally for my children. She's like, I'm so happy to see this today because they're just those things that your kids become entitled to. Right. And you think this is just what I do for my kids, but actually you don't have to do them all. Right. You just don't. Yeah, you don't. I think it's hard, you know, so fascinating what, what your psyche, uh, your subconscious psyche holds on to from your childhood. Your childhood yeah. is such a short, yeah. intense part of your whole life. But everything goes back to that, right? You're just wired. Your brain, your whole like paradigms, you're just matrix for seeing the world. All gets wired. It does. Yeah. You know what? As I was thinking about the needs and my resistance of looking at that needs, it's really bothered me clearly because I keep it's not left me alone. So I need to just go really listen to it and start working on it. But I grew up with a mom who uh, was very clear about what she would not do for me, right? And it was a lot. And she did do a lot for me. There were things that she did do. I don't want anybody to think that I, she was, I was in a dungeon. <laughs> but she was not someone who was just going to, you know, uh, I really wanted to, be, to take dance as a kid. And it was just too much trouble for her. She just couldn't get it figured out in her schedule. So it was a no. And everything like that that took away from her needs was an absolute no. And I think I decided when I became a mom, that would not be my children's experience. And I've done it so far the opposite that the person carrying the burden is me instead of them. And not that they need to carry the burden, but there's no balance. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And I mean, that's why, you know, having a conversation with your kids, like this is not like a unilateral thing where you're just going to be like, I've decided I'm (laughs) not even doing, I'm not even feeding you anymore. It's just, that's why like the worksheets in an instance like this are good because you're having a loving conversation where you're saying, guys, like, this is what it looks like. Like when you look at everyone's main needs, you guys are all getting yours done and I'm doing it because I care because I love you and I don't want you to feel the way I felt growing up. And I have a lot of these needs here too. And I, I just, I'm feeling like I'm, it, it's like feels too out of balance. Can you help me? And that's the thing is they want to help you. They love you. Your kids love you. They don't want to just drive you into the ground till you're, they really don't. One of them does. <laughs> <laughs> The well, other one, I think, would take driving me into the ground if she got what she wanted. <laughs> well, the, still, the point is, it's a conversation, right? It's yes. like, a, again, like not a, not a, it's like, it feels more like, let's have an actual two-way street conversation, not just right. a, you know, where one-way street. Where you as a mom can say, I want to be able to drive you to all these places. Like, I, I, I that's what I want. I want for my kids to be able to do these activities. I also want for me to be able to do my activities. Right. And so it's not like, if you don't do this, then I'm not going to do this. It's a totally different conversation. It's, I want you to be able to do this and I want to be able to do this. Also, you guys, I have to grab something from the front door. So I'm going to step away really quickly. Okay. Okay. It's about finding the win-win, right? How do we find that win-win? Exactly. How do we find that win-win? I love that Jocelyn just said that though, because it is like what you just said about your upbringing. It's like, 
you want your children to feel how much you love them. You want them to get to do yeah. all those things. Yeah. It, and so you, that's what the conversation is about. But, and it's like an, and conversation. It's not a punitive right. conversation. It's just like, can you help me? Just help me. Yeah. You know, they will. Yes. I think they will. Um, I think so. I mean, they will. Uh, I just have to, I think I have to, it's really hard to change a family system, right? The system has been in place for a long time. My kids are 16 and 14. So for 16 years, it's run like this. And it's, it's, I was saying this to someone the other day, I read this book. I read this book that was asking for change in our society. And I said about this book to my friend, it's hard to ask the person in, in power to give okay. their power away, right? So it's hard to ask the person who's reaping the benefits of mom doing everything to give that away. They don't want to do that. Who would want to say, yeah, I'll add 20% of work to my day so you feel better. No one, feel, no one wants to do that. Now, I understand, I understand what you're saying about, and I agree with you. My kids love me and don't want me to feel like I'm not getting what I need. But there is, there is a flip side to that, right? Of, well, this sucks for me. Now I'm doing eight things I didn't have to do before. And so that part, I think is, is harder to change, you know, like walking into all this shit on the counter that they've left from their lunch. It's kind of harder to get them to, to change that somehow. Well, I mean, it, for sure, you're totally right. And that's why it does come down to those boundaries and like being really clear up front. So you're not having like a reactive punishing response. It's like, we, you know, we talked about this, like, I hate to do this, but like, literally, if I have to take the time to do this, I'm not going to take the time to do this. So you've already thought about it ahead of time. You're not being mean. Mm -hmm. You're just being fair to what you guys already agreed about upon in a conversation that wasn't in a heat of anger. You know, right, it was like right. a rational conversation about how do we balance this together? And right. then, then it is going to be up to you. You, I mean, they are kids, right? They're going to, yeah, yeah. they're going to yeah. test that boundary. Cause if you don't really mean it, like if you say, <laughs> if you say, you know, well, yeah, if I have to do that, then I'm like the next time you want me to drive you somewhere, I'm not going to be available or whatever, like wh- or whatever your consequence is, like whatever right. yours is. If you say it and then they can convince you that you didn't really mean it, then you, you know, that you do give away your, I mean, boundaries are tough in the beginning. As soon as they know you mean it, then they'll stop pushing. Right, right, right. Kids. Who thought that was a good (laughs) idea? I was never even going to have kids. That wasn't even on my agenda. My to-do list did not include these two stinkers in here. Just give me nothing but trouble lately. These teenagers. Teenager. You really love it though. I do. Like, I love everything. Of course. I'm it's, just it's funny though. I mean, I've talked to Kristen about this before. I think there are some people who just don't. There's a lot of people who just don't, and they didn't know that. How would you know that going into it? Who and just that's don't some, what? They just don't love parenting. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Right, right. And like how you don't know that going into it. You have no idea whether you're gonna like it or not. But and that's another thing that I love about this course is that I think people whether you don't like parenting or whether you really love it, it just gets better. Like you well, learn to find is, so much more joy. The, what you're presenting makes a lot of sense. Like it's very practical minded. It's not fluffy. It's not ethereal. It's not, 
touchy feely. It's not, um, you know, you're not wrapped in robes and waving feathers to be a better parent. It's all very practical and uh, applicable uh, lessons and advice. So can I say one more thing about the needs thing that just occurred to me, occurred to me? It's like, so you know how Jocelyn said, you know, things kind of build on themselves. And like, since like, since one of the biggest things we're trying to do is build Mm self-efficacy and transfer responsibility to our kids so that we eventually just become supportive allies Mm -hmm. and not just bosses, you know? Yes. Um, I feel like the more you have the conversations where you're actually seeking your kids' opinions, you know, and genuinely not being agenda driven, but, you know, saying, well, well, how do you see this? Like, help me understand how you see this so I can try to figure out a way to make it work for both of us. And mm-hmm. when your kids know that you're doing that, and I'm sure your kids know that about you too already, but the more you do that, mm-hmm. then a conversation like needs, it, it's, it fits in because they're used to like being collaborative about right. solving family issues. It doesn't just feel like a trick, like, oh, you're just trying to get me to clean up more so you and you can do fewer things for me you know so it is it's like that culture of what were you saying oh i know i was waving i'm sorry i was waving at daryl let's keep going (laughs) (laughs) no but it's just that i mean i think i think that it does build on itself and it makes that needs thing which you're right the dynamic of course is to resist but i feel like once your kids get used to this idea that like oh you know i'm now i'm really more included in, in like making decisions for myself and how this household is and you're not handing over all power, but you are, you're getting their opinions. You still have veto power. Right. But, you know, once they get used to that, then they realize like that it's, you know, it's only fair that things feel relatively balanced in a household in terms of. Being. Right. Yes, absolutely. It's, it is, it, things should feel balanced. Yeah. I think, I think we're, I think the only out of balance is me. I think they're, they feel pretty balanced, <laughs> but I, I'm out of balance. So. Well, just as one more thing to encourage you to listen to it, we actually give you a formula mm-hmm. like for how to talk about your needs and how to set those boundaries in a way that will make you feel less anxious about it. Okay. So you'll okay. actually come out of that with like, oh, here's what I say. Right. Here's how I do it. And it'll feel good. And it's not confrontational and combative at all. Awesome. Okay. I'll have to yeah. listen to that one. And it takes into account even if they can't meet your needs, you know. Right. Okay, right. Well, then how are you going to take care of yourself? And, mm-hmm. yeah. So that is something else I like about each episode. I think you cover every base. Like I leave the end of the episode without a question. I don't have a book. But what if Yay. what if this happens? I don't I have never experienced that ever. Not in any of the eight eight pillars I've listened to. I I'm always feel that. like it's complete. I feel like that is a blessing of having Jocelyn as a partner, because I feel like the two of us like she's always poking. And like saying in a different way, which I really like. And we have like a, a really good, it's, I mean, tension too strong of a word because it's never negative, but like there's just a good way of having to reconcile how two people would come at something. It's Length funny that you said that because I was just thinking that. I was like, that's like the result of like, you know, both of us being a good partnership. Mm-hmm. Someone it's, uh, you know, Kathy is like that for me. She, she is contrary to me, mm. not in a negative way, but mm-hmm. she sees something I don't see in everything we do. Like we've been Girl Scout troop leaders for nine years together and I'll go, 
let's take them rock climbing. And she'll go, ABCD, wrong. And I'll go, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's not a good idea. Yeah, okay. And then I'll, that's, I think that's what you're saying is that you complement each other mm-hmm. and that you see two different sides of the same coin from very different perspectives. That makes a good partnership, I think, because we only have our own filter. We only have our own experiences and knowledge that we can uh, evaluate something from. And you have very different backgrounds, the two of you. Um, so I just love it. I love this whole program. It is very, very easy to, uh, absorb. It's, it's really easy to absorb. Thank goodness. Cause you know, cause we've talked so many times, but you know how long it took me to get there <laughs> because there's like so much information, so much. like the first curriculum I ever did was just hours and hours and you had to go online and it was videos and you had to come to class with instructors who I had to train. It was just because I love this stuff, but you know, yeah. it has to be usable or people won't use it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It has to be easy. Yeah. And little bite size, really. I mean, everything we do now is bite size. So, I mean, it has to be because we're just too busy. I, and to be honest with you, it's uh, every, every episode I have to like process. There's, it's so concentrated, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, drinking a little dose of highly concentrated liquid. So it takes a minute for me to absorb everything. If it were longer, I'd, I think I'd start shutting down mm-hmm. because I'd start going, I, I can't, I can't process anymore. That's now it's too much. Um, it's just the right amount. It's the perfect amount every single week. It is such a time I look forward to, to sit down and listen and think about what's going on in life and how this applies. And I'm one of those people that believes that messages come from God or whomever you believe, I believe from God when you're supposed to receive them. Yeah. Right. So this week I'm supposed to receive this message about inner wisdom because I have no idea what's coming up next. Yeah. And to, you know, next week, I have no idea what number nine is, even though you told me I've already forgotten. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But then I I go, well, then this is what I'm supposed to be thinking about or aware of or working on for this week. And I like that. It's kind of a, it's like, um, it's like a writing prompt, you know, writing Mm -hmm. a course and they go, we want you to write about a board game. Okay, well, let, let me think, how do I do that? And well, how does that fit into my world? And how do I express myself appropriately about a board game? And it's the same thing of this inner wisdom. I go, okay, let's really pay attention to that this week. You know, let's pay attention to that. And then you, your hope is that one thing builds on the, ne- on the next, on the next, on the next. And sometimes you forget. I think that's one part of learning we don't give ourselves enough of a break on is that you forget. I may have learned um, a little bit about taking care of my needs, but I forget sometimes. So then you become punitive. I suck. I'm never going to get this. This C, I'm never going to change, but that's not true. You have to allow yourself to forget or to make a mistake and learn from that too. You know, that we cycle around with our pillars is that you don't hear it just once and then move on. Every 10 weeks, you revisit that, look at it from a different way, build a new skill onto it so that you are building those like neural pathways and really creating a habit out of it. Right. 
And I mean, a lot of this stuff, same as with, you know, my book that you were so nice enough, you know, nice enough to talk about before too. It's like a lot of this stuff, you know, like, you you know, or or like, or like 90% of it, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I, I knew this, but I like hearing it and hearing someone say it a different way and hearing someone tell you like, this is why that's important. And this is what it's doing for your kids. It's just like reinforces that stuff that it's a lot of it's in you already, but it's like, some people might not realize like how important that is, or like, you know, everyone knows that it's great to take ownership of your personal strengths, right? You want your kids to know what their strengths are, but like the idea that they might actually have a hard time saying that out loud, even when they're teenagers and you as a mom have been talking about their strengths for 15 years. And it's like, the idea that it's really hard as a teenager to like own something positive about yourself in front of someone else. It's just, you know, it's basic, but it's just, it's nice to be reminded that this matters. I agree. And I think another thing that's good about this program is that you, you, you lay out very clearly the cause and effect, right? If you, um, if you trust your inner wisdom, here's what happens. Mm-hmm. If you don't trust your inner wisdom, here's what happens. Like, I don't know if you say those exact things in this, but that's what I get from each episode. If yeah. you empower the conversation, then you have better conversations. You learn, you, you grow and you move through. If you don't, then that doesn't happen. So that someone who is very pragmatic thinker can say, oh, if this, then that. It's very clear. So there's no, there's not a lot of guesswork in this either. It's pretty, you make it pretty clear what um, the point of each pillar is and what the positive outcome of that pillar can be. And there's nothing really controversial, right? I mean, it's not like we're not trying to be provocative. We're just trying to like, and we're not even trying to like tell you how to parent. We're just trying to give you tools that you can use like little ingredients that you can use in your parenting as, like you said, as it comes up for you, like right. opportunities to have a meaningful conversation with your kid, you know, right. or with your spouse. Yeah. What's your favorite pillar? Mine has got to be inner wisdom. It's yeah. just, I, I just think it is. I just think it's the key to everything because, because kids actually, I believe in like the, the, goodness of humans. Like I believe that we're mostly born good and with like a growth trajectory, like that, that inner wisdom or divine peace inside of us, if we don't do things or other people don't do things to like dim our light, we, we grow in a positive way. That's just my personal belief. And so the, you know, inner wisdom is the light, I think, you know, on that path, like through all the like yucky stuff that you pick up from other people and just from being in the world and all the insecurities. And so I, I just think inner wisdom is it's that part of you that, that knows the best parts of you and, you know, no, and, and believes that you deserve to get your needs met, you know, and be loved and achieve your grandest vision of yourself. Mm -hmm. It's your higher self, right? Yeah. Some people. I mean, that one really is the most important, but it also like, weaves its way through every single pillar. Because right away in the very, very first lesson, we talk about what happens when you don't empower the conversation by being honest with your kids. Mm -hmm. And what happens is they don't know whether to trust their parent or whether to trust their gut. 
and it puts them in a really horrible position. Right. And almost all of the pillars touch on inner wisdom. Yeah. So that's the thread. Yeah. That's it, awesome. It is as much as I resisted it. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I also really love our self-esteem stuff. I think, you know, when we were talking about how, how kind of basic this is and how you, you already know, that's the one that jumped up for me because we call it like the secret of self-esteem and we teach what that secret is. And it's really, really powerful and life-changing. And also, it's also something where when you hear it, you go, oh, of course, of course. Right, right. Not new information, just presented in a new way. Would that be right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I didn't ever hear it like, this is, this is how you build self-esteem. Right. I never heard that. But when I did hear it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That totally makes sense. There's nothing. Nobody's going to dispute this. Right. It's so interesting. You know, most things are, are really just math. You know, I, I think most things, grammar really is math. Sentence, stru- sentence structure is math. A lot of um, story is math. This, then that, then that. And I think a lot of mental health is math. It's very basic. You know, if you do this behavior, this is the, this is the effect of that behavior or thought pattern or mm-hmm. whatever you want to say. I think people get overwhelmed by the emotion of it. But what emotion is in math? There's mm-hmm. no emotion in math. If you just look at things in a very simplistic way, I think it empowers you to take action where people get paralyzed by um, fear or resistance or, um, you know, the unknown or something that they've never done before. If you just kind of break it down into, hey, this is just a math problem. If I, if I talk to my kids in this way, then my kids are going to grow to be healthy, positive, self-esteem, self Efficating? No. <laughs> it's hard to conjugate that. We just say kids with self efficacy. They have self efficacy. Efficacious. Efficacious? Efficating so. sounds bad. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. <laughs> That's not a good one. But yeah, you know what I mean. It's, yeah. I think, and I, in all honesty, I think a lot of these are presented in a very math brain kind of way. It's interesting because my brain just went to like somewhere it probably seems super tangential, but. Um, but just how, you know, talking about self-efficacy and, you know, wanting to transfer responsibility and like believing in that inside of each of our kids is actually their own inner knowing, you know, that they know what they need. And if you ask them, they'll actually have a pretty good vision for themselves, you know. And um, but I think that what comes up a lot for me when I ask parents, like, well, what would what would you say, you know, what would happen if you sort of gave your kids more control? over their own lives is like a belief that some parents have is like, oh my God, they would be disasters. Like they would be homeless on the street in five minutes. Like they would make, they have no judgment. It would be a disaster. And I'm like, like on one hand, people say that like a little bit, you know, exaggerating, but on the other hand, you know, it makes you look like it is important to look like if underneath there, you really don't believe that your children have good judgment or good I don't know, the ability to make good decisions or whatever. Like, it's an interesting thing as a parent to look at how your belief in your kids is actually impacting your parenting. And it may, like, one way or the other, you got to work through that, right? And like, yeah, 
so I, I, I don't know. It just like, it just made me think of that in like the inner wisdom piece. You, like you want your children to tap into their inner wisdom, but as a parent, you got to be careful. I like, can make sure that you believe in the goodness of their own inner wisdom. Right. You know, and if there's a reason, because a lot of times there's a, there's a reason that's not connected to your child that you believe that, right. That's something that you're bringing from your upbringing or your parents or whatever it is. And so anyway, it's just an interesting additional thing because it is math. But like the beliefs thing was one, right? The parenting beliefs was one that you went through one of the, you know, and that, that parenting belief, I think is a really important one. Like, do you believe that like inside your kids is actually, they have everything they need if you just kind of cultivate it to turn into great humans? Right. Yeah, that is the thing. That is the thing that I've always tried to do with my kids is to see them as who they are. And to help them build on their strengths and help them identify where they're not as strong and try to figure out how to either strengthen that or lessen it or adjust it or implement it somehow in their life or expect things like both my kids have anxiety problems. Okay, one might say that's a weakness, but one might also say it's just part of who they are. So you can walk through life pretending like you don't have that, or you can walk through life going, I'm wired a little more anxious than the average bear. So there are certain things I have to do to make sure I take care of that, like get enough sleep, drink enough water, uh, feel my body. And when I'm starting to feel a little jittery, put both feet on the ground, take a deep breath, assess what's happening. This is just a tool. This is not saying that issue you have with anxiety is a bad thing. It's just saying that you have to be prepared to deal with something that other people may not have to deal with. And I I think you can apply that to almost anything Mm -hmm. that kind of gets in your way of living the fullest, biggest life. Because sometimes their anxiety gets in their way. Yeah. You know? The way I like to think of it is the term I always love is just stacking the deck in favor of showing up as your best self. And so everybody has different stuff that they have to deal with. You know, the hand that they were dealt is different for everybody. But what do you do so that you're constantly just building piece by piece ways to show up as a better, happier version of yourself? Right. I think it's interesting too, at least in my house, I, my kids are very, very different children. Mm-hmm. They're different thinkers. They're different processors of the world. They, their anxiety manifests itself totally different from each other. Um, they have different types of relationships with, I mean, they couldn't be more different, right? And figuring out how to parent each for their own needs and wants and desires and assets and whatever is very challenging, And I think a lot of parents, not a lot of parents, I think some parents um, have a box of parenting like this. This is this box. And I'm using this box on both kids. That means this kid gets a spanking all the time because this kid is more willful, more stubborn, doesn't want to comply, comply with my rules. I know I felt very much watched when I had younger kids and I'd go back to the South. And Isla, who was verbal very late, was an extremely physical child, expressed herself physically as a toddler, didn't really want to talk to you about anything, 
couldn't process her emotions in a mental way where you could say, tell me what's going on. Georgia would say, well, you know, I'm feeling a little threatened because the other <laughs> child has a dump truck and they're swinging it over their head aggressively. <laughs> Whereas Isla would just throw sand at the kid. And you go, same problem, mm-hmm. different way of communicating. And I can't make Isla feel bad about that. Just because Georgia makes my life easier because she can tell me what's going on. That's not okay to make Isla feel bad because she can't tell me what's going on. My job now is to help her figure out what's going on and to help give her words for that so that she can feel that she knows her own emotions. Because I think I was very much that way as a young child where I just felt things that I didn't have the words to articulate. So I would act out, you know, and she was that way too. Whereas Bird can tell you what he's feeling in the moment it happens, completely articulated and fully expressed. And when it happens for me, I go, I'm going to need 10 minutes to go sit in the bathroom mm-hmm. and just be by myself so I can collect myself because what I want to say is go fuck yourself. Yeah. And I know it's wrong. So let me just take a minute. <laughs> so I think I have one of each, but I think parents have a hard time sort of having two sets of skills. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, it totally makes sense. And it just always takes me back to like what we're trying to do in the course that help you have conversations so that you can, so your kids can start to be part of like articulating what they need. I know they can't always for sure. They can't, but like, it's, it's like you already had an instinct that you needed to help this child figure out how to articulate what, you know, what she needs. But Mm -hmm. it's like, that's what we're trying to do is like help from an earlier age parents start those conversations so that you don't have to just be guessing and doing it all. You can actually involve your children Mm -hmm. in the process of figuring out what they need and how to make the household run in a way that like gets everyone's needs met. Right. Yeah. Having to just figure it out like yourself. And being able to see who that kid is for who that kid is not, not making any assumptions. Right. To not assume. I mean, at a certain age, you have to make a lot of assumptions because they can't tell you, but at a certain age, you can ask, you know, I used to always ask Isla about her friendships and buddy, she'd tell me this person is not nice and I'm not hanging out with them anymore. Okay. Now I know that you are a very decisive person and you have a very kind of strict set of values about how you're treated. And she has some pretty healthy boundaries with that stuff and always has. So now I know that's who you are. And now I can figure out how to parent you accordingly or to help you Accordingly, I don't know. I think, I think it is a gift to see your children as who they are. Because I tell you what, both my kids would be. I see them as adults functioning in society, totally great, in a completely different way. And I feel like I can see their pitfalls already that I've been trying to work on with them, and and still know that it's not a failure if they leave my house and fall directly into that pitfall, mm-hmm. it's not a failure. It's that's what you're here for as a parent is to say, let's talk about that pitfall. <laughs> How can we maybe not fall next time? You know, as teenagers, my oldest teenager is kind of falling into a pitfall over and over. And I keep going, let's, let's look at that. Let's look at why this is happening. And she doesn't want to look at it. She doesn't want to do it. She wants to learn it on her own. Yeah. So there's part of the parenting where you have to go, I will be here when you fall. Well, and what I think, what comes up for me is that 
I always think like, I'm not, I don't think that my kids are going to be perfect. I think my kids are going to mess up a lot. And there's going to be times when I'm disappointed, they're disappointed. There's like big failures, but we've like cracked the awareness now. And so their ability to move past that obstacle Mm -hmm. is a lot faster because of this than it would have been if there had never been these conversations. Right. That's a great way of looking at it. Yeah, it is. That's a great way of looking at it. Yeah, I have it with my oldest as talking to Kristen about this. There's this thing that she keeps doing over and over. And it's like, you're failing in the same way every day. (laughs) Don't know why you're failing in the same way every single day. (laughs) And then I talked to Kristen and Kristen was like, there's just one base level like step that she needs to learn. But there's repetition required in that and habit forming. And so she's still failing in that way. Yeah. But but now I'm like, okay, we have to work on this one step. Right. And it was that step a pillar. <laughs> this was super practical. I mean, this is just was like super practical stuff. She's yeah, just tying her shoe. You know, she's got to tie her shoe before she walks out the door. And that's it. Reading, reading instructions is what it was. It was. Uh, she uh it's oh my God, you guys. So I, my kids are at home doing school and my daughter who is plenty capable doesn't read instructions. So she will spend two days writing a paper and then come to me and say, can you help me edit it? And I say, yeah, show me the assignment and I'll read the instructions and be like, girl, you wrote about the totally like the wrong thing. And she'll just lose it. She's like, I didn't read the instructions and it has been happening now for two months. And I'm like, oh my God. Just read the instructions. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is a universal theme in parenting with at least one child, if you have multiple, because I have a child that does the same thing. She will not read the directions. She'll that's do so interesting. Uh, isn't it? Uh, she'll yeah. do a math problem. A plus B equals C, solve for C, and she'll solve for A. And it yeah. says solve for C. Mm-hmm. Solve for C. Solve for C. I'll give pages. <laughs> I want to know C. C. But go through and highlight, circle it, arrow, neon, something. Solve for C. She won't get it. She's the same mm-hmm. way. She'll write a paper about the totally wrong thing. And then she does the same thing. It's so crazy. And then my daughter will be like, I just didn't see it. And I'm like, but your eyes work. <laughs> your <laughs> eyes, I know they work. I know they work. Right there, right there. <laughs> so now the, what we're working on is she has to read the instructions out loud to me before she does anything. And okay. like, that's just, by the way, that's just like, that's not going to happen forever. That's just to get her, like get that pattern of right. you're reading the instructions. And then she'll do like go through that step. And then yes, because obviously I can't have like a 20 year old college student who's knocking on the door. Calling you to read it. (laughs) I might have that. (laughs) I might have a 20 year old college student going, mom, can you read this for me? This is what my repeated pattern with Isla. Isla, like I said before, wants to be completely autonomous, which I am 100% behind. I, I really want her to do that. But obviously she struggles with some things like one of her assignments was to read um, the cask of Amontadillo and Montadillo, I think is it's Edgar Allan Poe. Yep. And Edgar Allan Poe is hard for me, much less a dyslexic kid. Right. So she's gotten in this habit of doing everything she can by herself until the end of the day. And then at nine o'clock, she'll come to me and go, can you help me with this? And inevitably, it's like two hours worth of help. 
It's like yeah. this part of algebra she couldn't do without some help. So this part of English she needed help with. It's this part. And I understand that she has to try to do it first before she can say, hey, I need help with this part. But I've asked her to take a quick evaluation. Just take a quick look around. And if you see Edgar Allan Poe, you kind of know you're going to need help with that. And put it first so that I'm not doing homework at nine o'clock at night. All I want you to do is evaluate what you need help with and get help with that first. She cannot do it. She cannot do it. I really thought I could do that. I really thought I could read the cask of a Montadillo by myself where I'm like, you could have looked at the opening sentence and went, oh, peace out. There's no way. I mean, you clearly did not evaluate it. So I've had this conversation with her so many times. It's disrespectful to my time when I'm asking you for what I need and I am so happy to help you. I've even said after six o'clock, you're on your own unless it's an urgency. I've said you must start here. You, I've, I've like, how can I help you figure this out? We know your hotspots are English. English is one of your hotspots. Look at that first. Even do all of English first so you know by 2 p.m. you have something you need my help with. Because I don't mind coming in for a quick algebra lesson at nine, but reading an entire short story and then reading it again because I don't even understand it, and then helping you read the directions, and then you writing your piece, and then me editing your piece starting at 9 p.m., is taking away from my time, and that's not fair, and I cannot get her to change her method. But that may be one of those things, I mean, just as an outsider, like that, the task at hand may actually just be too hard for her. Like, she's just not a good judge of it. You know what I mean? And like, that may be one of those things where you say, as much as I'm trying to respect your ability to like manage on your own, like, if you want my help, like I'm making myself available from two to four. And like, you just like, you maybe need to, or say like, I'm going to evaluate and like help you there because it's, like you're only stepping on her toes in a, in order to offer your help. Like it's for you. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, that's yeah. a way to balance your need with hers. Right. And that, that feels like, I don't know, that feels like it makes sense to me. Cause it sounds like that's one that's, it doesn't even sound like she's being like defiant. It just sounds like it's just something that she's not going to be good at. And that maybe you could, for the sake of your 9 PM, Well, I don't think she's being defiant, but I have said that to her. Let's sit down together and go through. No, nope. I'm like, okay, but nope. I want to do this by myself, but, and I've said to her, it's not working for me and it has to work for me too, because we're a team in these places where you need help. And it's not fair for you to just go 9 PM mom, chop, chop. That's not fair. And I've said it repeatedly. So the last time it happened, I went, okay, I'm done. So now if you ask me for help at nine, I'm not going to give it to you because I've tried to get this process to change in like eight different ways. And if you get a zero or if you fail, then that's the choice you're making because I've given you all these options to do this in a way that works for both of us and you won't do it. It's her way or it's not happening. So she hasn't asked me for help again. She had will, 11, you, will you stand by it? Because it sounds like I that's have. Well, good. I have. She had 11 missing assignments, 11, because those were the assignments she needed help from me with. And she spent her entire day Sunday getting her assignments in order 
And she needed help with a couple and got help at like 4 p.m. Totally fine. I helped her and she got through the rest of it, asking me the little questions she needed. And then I go back and go, you know, I I would like for that to have happened like on your day to day so that you don't spend your whole Sunday, seven hours on Sunday, catching up on 11 missing assignments because I didn't say this, but because you're in a pissing match with me. That's what it is. I don't want to do what you say. I will do it my way. Wait a minute. My way's failing, but I'm not going to admit that. <laughs> I will not admit that your way may be better, but it's not even my way. I don't even care. I've offered her everything. I'm like, let's get a dry erase board and write down what you need help with as it comes up. And then when you say, oh, there's three things, maybe I should go get mom. Then you don't have to like have the big picture. You can just write it down as you say, oop, need help with that. And then you erase it when we're done with it. And it's kind of, it's kind of, um, rewarding to write something down that you get to race off. And she's like, maybe, maybe that'll work. Leanne, I want to give you a resource that is um, not related to what we're doing at all, but mm-hmm. just, well, kind of, because I think it, part of it is a belief that um, Isla has. There's the concept of who, not how. Mm-hmm. Um, who, not how is just the idea that anytime you want to accomplish a goal or you have an obstacle that you need to overcome, mm-hmm. you need to stop asking how to do it and start asking Who's my resource? Ah, huge, huge, like body of work in who, not how. And so if Isla can start looking at like, instead of, oh, how do I do this? I want to figure this out myself, but it's actually like a really smart strategy to go, who's there? So I know that's tangential, but might be something that like, if she had a little nugget of awareness about that, it might help her. Because she has a ton of resources. Her teachers are so communicative always offering to hop on a Zoom with her and help her, and she won't take the help. I've offered to get her tutors, like Zoom tutors. She doesn't want that help. She, Her sister is excellent in algebra. Excellent. Doesn't She wants to do it by herself. And I keep saying, if you knew how to do this, you wouldn't need to go to school. <laughs> this is part of learning. You're yeah. supposed to not know how to do algebra. That's where you're supposed to be. That's why you're learning algebra. So, Of course, you sometimes need help. Of course, it's completely normal and natural and okay. But um, And the people who are most resourceful and most successful, they use their resources. They're not just sitting sitting there doing it entirely themselves. They use their resources. That's part of being a smart strategy person. Right, right, right. I'm watching my gardener. So my puppy has discovered my chickens. Oh, and he thinks it is so much fun to chase them. That's hilarious. Around the coop like this, around the coop. And it's not it's not good for the chickens. It's very yeah. stressful for one, but they could actually hurt themselves like flapping and hit a, there's trees in their coop and my gardener just completely undid my extremely redneck trailer trash um fencing that I put up for my dogs which involves um uh some overturned chairs <laughs> and some <laughs> patio cushions. And now my dog is chasing my chickens. So give me one second. I'll be right back. Talk amongst yourselves. Well, I have to actually go soon, um, Jocelyn, which I should have said. But um, Oh, do you have to go right now? Well, I need to go maybe right when she comes back, if possible. We um, should really quickly give people um, some resources. Because yeah. if, if, if her viewers, if, if you go to, um, what is it? McDermottMethod.com slash W-O-T-P. 
McDermottMethod.com. A-M-A-C. Yeah, M-A-C-D-E-R-M-O-T-T.com slash W-O-T-P. We have all sorts of freebies. Because Leanne, I was saying, I actually kind of need to go. Is this going to make it? Is, is that okay? Of course, it's okay. Yes, whenever. Yes, I'm glad we got to talk about this. Seriously, people watching, I don't know if I represented it enough. I think this is just invaluable tools. Seriously worth every penny. And so easy to digest, uh, bite-sized pieces, highly recommended. I'm again going to um, pledge two scholarships for this quarter. You release it every quarter, right? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're actually releasing it the day this podcast comes out. So I was just saying while you were gone that you're, we have some freebies for your viewers. So it's mcdermottmethod.com slash W-O-T-P. Okay, great. Thank you. And, and, we have, have- and we're offering a discount too on, your, on people who go there. Thank you. And then how does someone, how does someone get a scholar, one of my scholarships? Do they need to email you? How do they do that? There's a button to apply for it. Um, we have a little bit of a wait list on it, but um, there's, there's a button to apply and you just fill out your name and send us a little note. And then when one becomes available, we'll, we'll arrange a call just to, you know, really quickly talk and make sure that this is a, a good fit and that we're giving it to somebody who can actually really use it. Right. Um, and then, then you get a, password and login and you start getting emails. Thank That's you for awesome. doing that, Leanne. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm telling you, I think that this should be required. Like when you take your baby home from the hospital, they should go, there you go. Just, oh, just, maybe you. we should contact hospitals. That's actually good. It's not <laughs> a bad idea, right? Or like preschools or, you know, I don't know. It's overwhelming when you have a baby. And obviously a lot of this you can't deal with until they're a little bit older than newborn. Yeah. But I really, really am so impressed and I've enjoyed it so much. And please, everybody listening, check it out. It's worth every dime. Thank you for Thank sharing. you, Leanne. Thank, Thank you. you. So of course. Of course. This of is course. awesome. Nice to see you guys. We should just have a um, I know. freeform, non-topic focused conversation one time too. Maybe our next one can be just- Can we do that like just yeah. over a glass of wine? Yeah. <laughs> I immediately, I was like, I was so anxious about this today for some reason. And, and I kind of had in my head that it was in front of like a live audience. I don't know what was going on, but <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to be late. Gonna, and then the minute I saw your guys' faces, I was like, oh, it's Leanne and Kristen. <laughs> we should totally do it over a glass of wine. You know, I, know I, I do, I do, um, I do a podcast called drinking with friends every once in a while. So oh, with friends, we should just do a drinks with friends. And that would be fun. But it's nice to see you guys. Thank you for coming on and talking about um, uh, resilience-based parenting. I appreciate it. Thank you Thank for being you, so, so kind to have us and saying such great things. We really appreciate I it. Guess. It's all sincere. I love it sincerely. It's great. Oh, thank you, Leanne. Thank you. See you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. I think that we should.